Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Matt Messiano, Jordan Weimer and Tom Bedell all here this afternoon reflecting upon two games today and also a little bit around the wider Watford stratosphere. Um, first of all, gents, how are you doing? Uh, as we were saying in our greetings to each other off mic, I think we're, I'm doing okay, football aside. I'm, just, I'm thinking Tom's in the same realm here. <laughs> yeah, you often, one often jokes that football ruins a nice day out and I think that's the case here, isn't it? Or oh, a nice day out and a, a discussion among friends. Football kind of ruins it, rather. So, yeah, here we are, putting ourselves through it again. Indeed. We're in it together, at least, guys. Yeah, that's the main thing. That's the main thing, isn't it? Yeah. Tom, you and I are having a bit of bad luck, aren't we? The, the, the second game that we've um, gone together to see and, and uh, mm. another disappointing result. I'm referring to, I mean, I could be referring to either of them, but to be honest, but the, the one we went together to see was, uh, was Swansea midweek. And we'll start with that one as it's, uh, as it's the, the yeah. you know, the one after the last game that we, we talked about. Uh, two, one, it finished in the end and it felt as though Swansea deserved it, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you could have any complaints or not be surprised if anyone had a, a view to the contrary. They were by far the superior side, you know, knocked the ball around really nicely. I thought we couldn't get it off them for the first sort of 20 minutes or so. And we gradually kind of worked our way back into the game from there. But, you know, after 20 minutes, they'd absolutely murdered us for possession and obviously goals win games. But we were pretty fortunate to go ahead. And the fact that we had a chance, um, Espria kind of greedy, I think, to go 2-0 up prior to the break would have been an absolute crime. Um Really and truly, but it was a it was a desperately desperately poor performance and a world away from the Stoke game a few days prior, which makes you think you know how poor must Stoke have been for us to swap them aside in the in the manner that we ultimately did. Um, there's possibly a bit of recency bias. I know we're talking about Swansea, but we played Blackpool more recently. But just nipping back to Stoke, I wonder if there's a possibly a bit of recency bias there with the fact that we finished so strongly in that game and perhaps that papered over some of the the cracks prior to that. Um, but yeah, keeping it on Swansea, it was it was just it was a miserable night. It was freezing, and I don't think anyone wanted to be there longer than they were. So the uh, seventeen minutes of additional time felt like a real kick in the teeth, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what was it like watching it from where you were, Jordan? Oh, I think very similar. I mean, it was um, well, it was it was frustrating. I think it was just you know one of those games we didn't really do anything to 
to, to kind of counter what was what was being inflicted upon us. I think Swansea had a clear approach in the beginning. They were pressing very high and they were committed to to playing the ball from the back, no matter kind of the pressure we put on them. Uh, so we were getting very stretched. Um, and we were kind of in that phase where when you, you're you struggling to get possession, you're under so much pressure. When you do have it, you're just kind of panicking and, and passively being uh, being sent in the wrong direction. And we were giving the ball away and it was just kind of a mess, really. And we didn't really do too much to change it. It got a little bit brighter when Loser came on, um, which seems to be kind of a common theme. But it wasn't it wasn't enough in itself to to completely change things. Obviously, we did you know go ahead, but um, in terms of the overall kind of fate, balance of the game, we just weren't there. And then obviously the manner in which we lost it as well was um, was really poor. Especially the kind of the, the, the last goal, the free kick was uh, some awful defending, which again is also a theme that seems to be coming through quite frequently. Mm, that's right. Uh, the first home fixture at Swansea game was after the uh, the dismissal of, of Rob Edwards, um, I, I believe. Uh, and um, I was expecting uh, some banners or, or, or some um, some pots are out uh, chanting. But um, I, I don't know about you, Tom. I didn't hear or see any of that. No, for the second game running, it was pretty muted in that respect, I think, wasn't it? And given the result and the performance, I, I sort of expected some blowback at full time, but it wasn't like you and I kind of rushed out. I think we, you know, we certainly stayed until full time, although maybe that was the point that not many people had stayed until full time at that stage. And it was um, fairly empty and therefore any sentiment was, was going to be hard to drum up. Uh, it, it, I'm sure there was something, yeah. but it wasn't evident to us in, in the Sir Elton John stand, was it? And, visibly there weren't banners that we saw so uh, I certainly wonder if that will change by the time we play Norwich um, next weekend though what was it like pre-game it felt quiet didn't it It, there weren't many people but this is often the case midweek and there were train strikes and whatnot weren't there leading up to the game so it felt like the ground was very empty about five minutes before kickoff and then as tends to happen it it kind of flicked a switch and it was full. But I heard somewhere the attendance was only 17,000-ish, which for us is on the lower end, isn't it, of, of the scale? So, you know, midweek, cold. I don't know if it was on the red button on Sky or not, but there were other ways of, of getting to that, of viewing that game, weren't there? But there certainly wasn't any kind of demonstration. Everybody seemed quite willing to give it a go. And I think had the... the the result and the performance against Stoke being different, that may not have been the case, but that brought them a bit of a stay of execution. It's very difficult to gauge sometimes, isn't it? Because I know we'll probably we'll get onto it soon. I know there's some some kind of disagreements with amongst the fans at the game yesterday, but it's always very hard to gauge the kind of general fan opinion, especially for the home games. There are much more, or it's a much kind of larger kind of um, uh, group of fans. But from our perspective, we feel like it's kind of not unanimous, but the percentage of those who feel strongly either way are kind of a little bit more prevalent. But in, in, in those sort of situations, you go to a home game, it's really hard to tell often if people are actually, you know, for the decisions that are being made against them. There's no real overall kind of consensus that everyone's leaning towards yet. It still seems somewhat divided. And I think um, it, it can be a little bit surprising when we kind of gauge a lot of our opinions, and not opinions, we gauge a lot of our understanding of where opinions lie based on some, things like Twitter. And then you kind of go to the game and actually it's not anywhere near as polarising as that. Absolutely. This is the thing, I think, isn't it? That it's 
very easy to kind of take Twitter as a segment of um, the Watford fan base, but it's such a small, you know, I only follow a couple of thousand people on Twitter and probably only a hundred of those are Watford fans. That's, that's nothing, isn't it? Even, even if you just take the, the, the match going fans at, at, at Vicarage Road, but as a wider fan base, you know, we might not be Manchester United or Real Madrid, but we've still got more fans than that even. And I do just think that there's, a lot of people, and I heard this on From the Rookery End, and I actually think this is the perfect summary of the situation. There's a lot of people who are kind of stuck in the middle. They're evidently, well, not evidently, they are unhappy and rightfully so with what's happening, but they aren't so angry as to say, you know, everything has to change, owners out, players out, et cetera, et cetera. They're, they're kind of caught between between two stands, and I think that's exactly where I am. You don't have to think everything's fine, everything's, you know, the meme of the place burning down and going, this is, everything's fine. And you don't have to be burn everything to the ground as well. It, it's perfectly fine to be in the middle. I'm saying fine a lot. It's perfectly, which is a horrible word. It's perfectly okay. It's perfectly acceptable and understandable to be in the middle of that. And I think there are probably a lot of people there that are not at a point of saying, no, we have to be vocally uh, and demonstratively against the ownership at this point. And I think that's, that is where I am. The other um, point, really, from Swansea was that um, there was a lot of injuries that we picked up in that game. Um, some positives came out of that. I always like to see uh, young players make their debuts, and um, I was uh, I was I was very pleased and proud of, of what Pollock and, and and James Morris were were able to do. Yeah, they they looked. They, they looked great, um, but the, the massive downside is we've lost some very experienced players um, and that defensive unit in particular is, is looking weaker and weaker um, by the by the minute. Yeah, it is. It, it's, uh, it's an issue. It's the, the injury side of things are definitely an issue. Um, it, it's abnormal uh, how we kind of found ourselves in the situation again. It seems that we've had a uh, pretty poor injury record for you know a good few years now. We do struggle to to find that balance. You know you could blame it on so many different things. It's kind of hard for us to tell from our position. But you know this is one of the things we talked about uh, in terms of squad building. It's not for me. It's not just about quality of depth. It's also about the the, the profile of player that's there to be backup. There's not a there aren't many like for like switches when we, when we have injuries, and that's a concern to me. And I'm not expecting it to be like a you know someone goes down in centre-back, you know, Sirialta goes down, whoever the next guy that comes in is equally as good and also performs the same role. But the problem for me is how, if you lose someone like, you know, one of those players, the backup behind them is often quite a different sort of player and you've got to start changing things again. And then we kind of get in this situation where we have to make tweaks every time a player's injured or left out. Whereas it's, you know, in other situations, you might be able to kind of have a an easier or kind of a less of an impact or a less of a disruption by having someone closer to them. But this one, uh, this game against Blackpool especially, kind of really outlined that for me, that the backups are very, very different and that, that concerns me a lot too. Mm. In the injury room now, um, in, in defence at least, we have Gaspar, Sirauta, uh, Cathcart, Hawes, uh, Ngakia. Those are five of our regular starters there. Uh, I mean, I'm not... I'm not sure who we who we have left. It's interesting. I thought that Bilic said something about this, didn't he, after Swansea? I keep wanting to say Stoke. And I think that's quite telling about the sort of person he is and the sort of level of 
maybe not autonomy, but accountability and um, influence that he thinks he will be able to to wield. That he's immediately, you know, there's no honeymoon period here. There's no everything's rosy. It's and I'm sure we'll come on to this as well. The the comments after Blackpool, but you know, straight into well, I can call this out and say that this isn't good enough. And it'll be very interesting to see if anything changes there because we've had a lot of kind of turnover in medical staff down the years, haven't we? And I don't think we've ever got it right. There regularly seem to be players that go in there for a couple of weeks, you know, go in with a um, with a stubbed toe and come out with a broken leg. And, you know, I'm not implying any kind of medical malpractice or anything like that but you know in terms of treatment times should we say rather rather than our, our doctors and staff and making physios and making things worse I don't mean that at all I mean you know they're kind of the amount of time that they end up sidelined for and it's worrying already that Courtney Howes has only been here for a few you know a couple of months or whatever it's been if that and that that report um from the club that preceded the Blackpool match was really quite worrying, wasn't it? That, you know, we're not expecting him to be back for for some time now. And you just think, well, that's incredibly vague. You know, even with Imran Luza, who had a surgery and you knew there was going to be a good amount of rehab time, they, they kind of put a timeline on it, didn't they? They said after the international break, which we all knew, and I appreciate you can't always do this, you know, players react differently to treatment and so on, and some treatments just don't work or whatever it may be. But... It's very vague and you just think, what is going on? You know, that maybe isn't a, an issue that we've inflicted. That we've had He's had issues previously, but why are we signing players then if that's the case that have got potentially lingering problems in the background? So the whole thing's concerning and we've got to have to somehow limp through, aren't we? There's no, you know, can't go and get someone on loan. This is, this is the problem. Like, I... When we have someone like Courtney House, where you know he has injury concerns, it's one thing if you're bringing him to supplement the squad um, and you know help strengthen the team, which needs that extra boost. But when you're bringing him in to be a crucial starter, those things have to be considered a little bit more. And it's it's something we all said when he came in. You know, well, you know, great as long as he stays fit. Same with same with Keenan Davis too. And obviously Davis has touched wood. You know, he's not had to kind of be withdrawn since reaching fitness, but it's it's difficult and then you know if we say again this is the point I was trying to make earlier if Courtney House goes down who comes in for him you know it's maybe a little bit different now because we're not playing that back three but we are kind of relying on these players staying fit a big part or a big kind of aspect of our promotion push is okay the starting 11's got to be there as much as possible which I know everyone every team wants of course but the drop off is, is, is significant it's very different so you know, when it comes to squad building, it's just another element which we've got wrong, and I think it's uh, it's something that has to be considered because the injury record of the players that we've brought in, or the players that we've kept and relied upon, isn't a secret. Um, we've had a lot of players that have not played a lot of consecutive games before. You know, even someone like Ngakia, he's had his injury problems. Um, you know, Maragaspar is kind of at an older age; you're going to pick up more soft tissue injuries. It's going to be more of a frequent thing. It's not it's not something that's come out of nowhere. It's something we had to anticipate, and we haven't really done much to. Uh, to compensate for it, even though maybe you don't expect all of your right backs to be out at once, it, it can happen. So it's where we find ourselves. Indeed. Um, we move on to Blackpool then. Uh, and I I, I personally, uh, and you know, I, you can shoot me down for this now, but um, I thought that this was the perfect game for us because I viewed Blackpool as being 
someone that we could probably take it, take the game to and um, try and get back on track. Uh, and I've been um, well, I've been proved to be a bit of a fool there because uh, <laughs> Blackpool was certainly no pushovers, and they and they they wanted it more than us. Uh, and and you know, by God, do they show us that they uh, you know they they they're not going to be uh, the whipping boys of this league, at least not against Watford. Yeah, we're just very soft, aren't we? I think, and um, I think we're just there for the taking, uh, especially when we we do not suit. I think mentally or ability wise, at times we don't really suit the we don't really suit the situation where we are the team expected to be in control. We're the, we're the kind of expected superior team. Um, we never really quite live up to that. We struggle in that situation. We we're so kind of built into our DNA of being the underdog. It feels like we don't know how to handle that pressure of being the team in control. And you know, we we don't we don't do deal with it well. And yesterday, Blackpool started really well, and they were really lively and they they were aggressive in in, in their press and they made made us play in uncomfortable uh, positions and areas. And it really showed quite quickly uh, how we weren't able to deal with that. Uh, the back four was was struggling. Obviously, Dan Gosling coming in at right back, probably the best of the back four yesterday, um, in my opinion, and uh, that kind of says a lot, really. But uh, yeah, it was it, it was frustrating. But the f- the first few minutes, the opening few minutes, and the first goal, I thought were quite indicative of uh, a weak spot for us. And it kind of it was a different approach to how Swansea did it against us. But there's a clear method for for hurting this Watford team, and I, I thought Blackpool did a good job of uh, exploiting that. Their first goal, Jordan. Um... Completely unmarked. He somehow managed to make his way between Troost and Cabaselli, uh, neither of who really uh, mm. demonstrated uh, their uh, abilities the just yesterday afternoon. It was it was very very poor, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, and also just kind of isolating Kamara in the aerial jewels and, and getting the ball up there and beating Kamara in the air, and then yeah, falling between Cabaselli and Troost Kong. They looked like they'd never played together in their lives before. It was. It was a giant gap. Um, and it's, it's one thing that like, that stuff can happen in isolation. It can happen in games. You know, just you both make a you both make the wrong decision at the wrong time. And suddenly there's a gap and, you know, it's a fluid game. Things are happening quickly and you can forgive it. But it's just a, <clears throat> it's, it's another another mistake on top of, of plenty more to come. And it's, um, yeah, it's a bad goal to concede. And especially with the, uh, you know, with the way the game was going, it was coming for a while, it felt like. Uh, and we weren't really able to get going until after that we picked up a little bit. But the, the first goal I thought was um, was a real, real letdown from from quite a few players there. Yeah, it was a, it was a decent header to be fair. But you're, you're right; um, he's he's never going to um, be able to contest that. He's, he's not a, a, a tall player, Kamara, and um, I suppose that was quite a clever clever thing to do for, for, from a Blackpool perspective to uh, to spot that weakness. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also just you know a case of I don't think anyone feels confident about that back four uh, from a Watford perspective. So if if you're a Blackpool and you're looking at that and you've you've done your homework and you say, you know, this is the back four that can be exposed, and you might have thought, well, Gosling's maybe the weak point; he might be the one we can expose. But actually, you know, Kamara had a bad game yesterday, and and it worked out that way. But if you play direct to them, you get bodies amongst them. Uh, I don't think Cabasso is particularly good in the air. Uh, Trusta Kong, you know, has a mistake in him. Just get the ball in that. Just get the ball around them as much as you can, and let them let them give you opportunities. And you know, the, the first goal was one of those ones where the Blackpool did well in the kind of second phase, and uh, and and our defence, our centre backs, kind of gave them the opportunity after that. And you, you can gamble, and you can build confidence if you're Blackpool. And 
there's nothing really to be scared of from a from a Blackpool perspective when it comes to attacking us. They'd done their research, hadn't they? That was the thing. Even to me, I didn't go to the game. I didn't. I haven't been able to watch the game. But just watching the highlights alone, it was evident that they. And you said it there. Second phase and Cavasoli being weak in the air, they just hoiked balls from left to right all day long between Cavasoli and Kamara, flick-ons, people running off the back of central defenders, and you know the um, chance they had. I think it was before the second goal was the perfect example of that. You know, the warning signs were there. Big ball up. Someone gets up ahead of um, Cavaselli on that occasion. Someone darts in between him and Truce Kong, pokes it wide of the near post. And, you know, they were doing that throughout by the looks of it. And it's it's a weakness um, that we've, we've evidently got and a weakness that we are evidently going to have for some time because I don't think they're going to be able to lean on anyone other than Cavaselli and Truce to Kong in the, in, the, in the short term. And that's got to be a worry for, for us. I think also, too, I think we we can't underestimate the effect it has where teams look at us still as a scout. They look at us as you know a, a big team because the talent they see on the team sheet, they look at that and they see Ismail Asar and, you know, they, fit and they see Imran Loser and stuff and they think, oh, you know, these are players that, you know, high-level players. We've got to kind of be focused. We've got to be ready for these games, prepared. It's a big game for these teams, as I know all the games are. But it's not. You're not looking at it thinking. You're not looking at Watford at first on paper and thinking, okay, this is a this is a must-win sort of thing. It's a it's one they've got to really pulled together and put the effort into. And you know, a lot of teams talk about a lot of top teams talk about how everyone sees them as a cup final, and it, it's a different mentality you've got to get, be in to win those games from a Watford perspective. And I don't think we quite can rise to the occasion yet still. And we find ourselves in a situation where teams around us, teams that are playing us are up in their game uh, to play us. And we're really doing nothing to even match it. And you see it in games like that, the energy that Blackpool come out with, they, they kind of flagged a little bit after the first goal um, because they kind of started with such intensity. But it's hard for us to kind of match that level of focus because we're just not, we're not prepared to it, prepared for it. And we've seen teams in the reverse situation when we're in the Premier League crumble when we've done things like this you know under Javi Gracia under even you know Walter Mazzari at times you can think about Man United and so on where teams came to us off not not on kind of not on their best performances and we just can rattle them and it happens to us all the time now it's extremely frustrating but I just don't see I don't see it changing uh, currently with the personnel we have and you know it's it's, it's a difficult one. I also wonder very quickly, just jumping ahead slightly, I know we're going to visit this individually, but Slum Bilic's post-match comments about, you know, the the kind of players and the mentality of the squad and not seeing a squad that wants to fight for 90 minutes or a team that wants to fight for 90 minutes to get the win. I wonder if, you know, these, these kind of opposing teams talking about our Watford are a Premier League team, they've got all these good players and what have you, and these kind of throwaway comments probably feed into that a little bit. They think, yeah, we are good. You know, we, we don't need to maybe work as hard as, as other teams need to because we've got this kind of level of talent within that we've retained from the Premier League. And and I was saying to Matt, I think just before you joined, Jordan, that my view, and I'm sure you would, wouldn't disagree, is that we've got a team with some good players in it, but we have not got a good team. And, you know, that does not, one does not equal the other. So, yeah, we've got Pedro, we've got Saar, Espria is evidently going to be a player, Howes is a player. Uh, if he's fit, Keenan Davis is a player. If he's fit, but you know those are individuals within a team it, or within a squad. It it doesn't necessarily um, make us what what people are kind of painting us out to be. And I think that probably it might be a lazy assumption 
feeds into the mindset of some of the players that are prone to perhaps taking it easy um, because they think we've got enough collective and in, in individual ability. Well, there's a couple of things you can have. You can have three Ismail stars on the pitch, and you can have Jao Pedro and so on. But it, it's not going to make. They can't all make up for um, for the, the Cabasellis and the mistakes that happen. You know that it's not. It's not enough to drag you through it. Maybe it's enough to get you mid table, or maybe get you towards playoffs. But you know these. <laughs> The teams that go up, you have to put together quite a few wins, home and away, and you're not going to do that consistently enough when you have such a kind of random assortment of of players and and as I said, you know, a couple of injuries and things start to look quite different on top of that. But yeah, that's definitely one factor in terms of in terms of the kind of comments from Bilic regarding uh, fight of the players and so on. I think for me, I just I do, I do wonder at Watford. It, it, I don't think it's just the players themselves. I don't think they will turn up here with that mentality and we just have this kind of horrible knack for signing players that aren't willing to do that. But I think the create the, the, the culture that's created the club, you know, what is the cost for failure? What is the cost for not losing if you're a player at Watford? You know, what what happens? I mean, it's not most of the time it falls oh, on exactly. the head coach. I mean look that's at it. look at and and it's not even necessarily the player set, sat down and having discussions and making that decision even internally, but subconsciously it's the culture that's created because you know that the accountability... If you have a bad game at Watford, you have a bad run at Watford, you're not getting sold. Christian Cabasselli just got a new contract, you know, like a couple <laughs> last, like, like last year, whatever it was. You're not... It's, the fault, the, the kind of ownership of the situation doesn't fall onto you as the player. How often have we moved on from a player that we feel is underperforming most of the time it's oh let's hope that the next coach that comes in can get more out of them you know like there's no accountability from the player perspective they you know the very rare occasions we hear from the hierarchy whether scott duxbury um or the whoever's sporting director or whatever at that given moment it's regularly this squad is good enough the coach wasn't doing enough with this squad. That's the messaging, isn't it? And that is another thing that probably reinforces it. But you're right, actually. It's surprising. Although we often talk about the the turnover of players here, a surprising number of these players, I think we'd be surprised how many of these players have been here for a long time now, one way or another. Um, it's particularly in defence, we know. But, you know, throughout that team, there are players that have been around for quite a while now. And this was obviously the biggest turnover we've had in a long time this summer. So it's it's improved, but there are still guys who have been here for you know the best part of kind of five years, and in some cases beyond that, and that probably isn't healthy either. So you're absolutely right. That's something I've not considered before. Who who's the last player we sold? Who's the last player we sold that we felt like we, we needed to move on from? Because we weren't getting we were getting diminishing performances. We weren't That's getting a good very enough. Good who was the last player we did that through? <sighs> you could make the argument that Fermenia was on the down turn maybe he's on the downward but I, I i wouldn't mind him now for one i would have, i would have kept him in the championship yeah no, i mean I, no yeah i'd have definitely kept him i'd have definitely kept him and I, I don't even mean downward i don't just mean downward trajectory i mean what, what's the last time we had i don't mean necessarily someone like a player coming towards the end of their career i mean like when was the last time we just thought you know what it's not worked we haven't got the most that we haven't got what we wanted out of this player it's not what we thought we've moved on and we we're going a different direction we hang on we hang on to assets because there's bad because literally because we can't bring in a lot for them and it fills a it fills a spot. You only have to look at someone like Isaac's success, don't you? He was here until last season, and you just think, when was his last actual contribution? And then because we do that, you know, any value they they kind of recontract these guys, don't they, from a 
um, a, a preserve pr- value preservation perspective, they will regularly just recontract them, as you said, with Kawasaki, quite often in secret, which I don't think is fair. Um, but it gets to a stage where they either write them up, you know, pay them up and write off their contracts or go and park them at Udinese. And that is probably quite a useful avenue to have. But it's very rare that we make any money back on these players. They're meant to be, you know, smart in the transfer market. And I think that's the biggest thing that Watford fans would hold against them right now. Yeah, I think personally, my opinion based on kind of what I feel is I, I, I think that Gino, one of Gino's biggest negative impacts for me is the overvaluation he has of his own players. And I think that, I, I've said this before, and I'm, I'm sorry to repeat myself, I know it gets tiresome, but I do think that when you have an owner that's that's that integrated into the team, that's that around the team all the time, has got a training ground at the office, you know, is watching training, is around these players, knows these players, the connection becomes too strong and you start to overestimate their ability and you start to feel confident that, yeah, you know what, Christian Cabasset, Christian Cabasset is a good centre-back. He could, he's needs a new contract. You know, he's going to be a good servant of the club. He's going to be around for longer. He, he adds something. You know, you start to you start to look at this team uh, and you're looking at a team, you're looking at these players in, in, in ways that the outside aren't doing. Like we're not, no one, none of the team's valuing the players the same way that we are. Um, we're content to, to use some of these players to fill holes that they're not capable of doing. Uh, we think it's adequate cover or we think they're good starters when in reality there's there's better out there and the teams around us are moving forwards whilst we're still stuck looking at these same guys where they're not really bringing it for us. And I think that's something that, that has to be considered when we talk about recruitment. It's not just about who we bring in. It's about who we sell and who we keep as well. Uh, and that's something that we've, we've definitely not got right. And I, I think that does fall, again, at the owner's feet because ultimately he is the one making the decisions. He is the one sanctioning when deals go through. It's not just about players um, you know, saying yes on that player. It's also saying what positions do we need help in uh, and what positions don't we. And I think too often we've found, especially as you know, defence, we've talked about that for a long time. Uh, we've not upgraded there for a long time. The money we've spent on defence has been, has been extremely low. Uh, and part of that is is down to kind of what we see and what we value in our in our current squad, and I think it's it's over it's overvalued for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, negatives coming back to the the game with Swansea was that um, some people feel as though the Imran loser substitution came a little bit too late. Um, if you remember, it was made uh, after Swansea had got back into the game. Um, but uh, you know he was rightly started uh, against Blackpool and was probably one of the one of the best players on the pitch for Watford and there's not many to choose from but um he, you know his impact could certainly be seen yeah positives i will say right quite quick i'll say quickly actually um one was Imran Luzi yeah i think his movement um his movement off the ball um well so when we have the ball just to look for the pass look for the the possession he gets around really nicely. He creates space. He switches the ball really well. He carries it. I think he was a really good player, obviously, and his free kick was excellent. Yeah, who knew he had um, that in the locker? I didn't know. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. Uh, and on top of that, I thought, I, I will say what I did like, for there's probably like a 20-minute spell uh, towards the end of the first half, I'd say, where uh, we looked a lot better in possession. I thought it was good to see, because that, that first phase of the game before Blackpool scored, and they, they were really dominant. We were really struggling to find ways out. I thought the fact that um, that Bilic did do something to try and change that. He, he moved KMB and Shadri quite wide uh, at the base of that midfield when we had possession and pushed the fullbacks up a little bit. So 
we kind of ended up seeing Kayembe and Chowdhury picking up the ball often from fullback, especially Kayembe was picking the ball up at left back position quite a lot, a lot of the time, uh, just kind of making it awkward for Blackpool to really commit to that press and, and kind of overcommit numbers to one side of the pitch. Uh, and leave kind of space. That was that was good. And we kind of started to find ways to get the ball forwards. We had a couple of midfielders were actually turning on the ball. Chad, we did a couple of times. Loser, obviously, helps you a lot in that situation. So they were the positives for me. Um, just from just trying to draw any sort of positives out of the game, I, I thought those aspects were were the best part of it. Some reaction from the coach um, and, and Imran Loser, I thought, was uh, the standout. Tom, how great is it to see uh, a Watford free kick um, like that? I mean, I know what was what was the last one that we Messina wasn't it? Went in Messina, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was more of a kind of a, a low strike that got a bit lucky, whereas this was was that was a proper was, free kick, was, was wasn't real it? quality, wasn't yeah. it? It was very. Nice oh, to absolutely. See. Um, I'm gonna. I know you've asked a positive question. I'm gonna give you a negative response and say, oh, dear, isn't Tom. it? indicative of the performance overall that we got a goal out of nothing like that and you know it came from a free kick I, I watched the highlights back on YouTube this morning and um, you know Watford obviously done a, a sterling job of making it look like it was a contest because they've managed to dig out about five or six fairly mediocre opportunities to pad <laughs> pad out the highlights because none of them were proper chances um, but yeah I just think that's indicative where we're at I think uh, to, to give you a positive answer I think Loser being back as a whole, I don't think this is particularly news to anyone or insightful, but you know what a difference that should hopefully make. Um, because I think those two, Kaimbe and Chowdhury, you know, I like Chowdhury a lot. I think he does a lot of good work, but I think what we've all kind of seen at one time or another is that they aren't the most inventive, they aren't the most mobile. They Chowdhury certainly covers a lot of ground and. I was saying this to you prior to recording, Matt, but I think it's often in a you know a specific kind of area of the field where he kind of rats about and chucks those long legs around pretty uh, pretty recklessly at times. And Kayembe does what Kayembe does, but you know neither of them are going to drop in, help out the fullbacks, help out the centre halves, and get on the ball, are they? Loser will do a lot more of that, and he's been a massive miss in that respect. So he, having him back is a, is a is a good thing, and hopefully he's come through yesterday. I saw somewhere that he was or heard somewhere that he was possibly struggling towards the end. It might have been on one of the Twitter spaces I listened to afterwards. He was kind of not looking a hundred percent towards the end. So I hope that's not the case because if he's gone again, you kind of, yeah, it looks even more bleak than it already does. It's also very classic that when we do finally score that sort of free kick, it's in a three, one loss away to Blackpool. Yeah. So we can't even really talk about it. We can't give it the attention that it deserves because uh, they're a bigger picture that, uh, that we're looking at and, <laughs> and uh, on, we don't like it on other injury um on other injury situations it was good to see tom daly bashiru back in the squad and come off the bench to to come on for yeah, last yeah. last phase of the game uh and also disappointing though because siriata came on off the bench and then had to be subbed off through injury shortly after so that's one to to keep an eye on we, you know kind of obviously got a little bit rushed back in there and you would assume probably gonna miss next week unless he can recover in time yeah, what what's the story uh, there, Jordan? Do we know much? I don't really know if we know too much. I think, was the injury the injury was a groin strain, wasn't it, for Siriata? Am I correct right? in thinking okay. that? Either way, a soft tissue injury. Obviously, the relatively short term was the idea of it, but sounds like he aggravated it and and wasn't able to to proceed. So, am I right in saying that Pollock wasn't on the bench because uh, Siri, yeah, Siri, Siriata there instead? 
Well, there's a good chance he'll be on the bench next week. I mean, honestly, I'd have him, I'd have him starting, which will bring us on to our next point I want to get to, which is the second goal. If you haven't seen the game, and I'm sure most of people have seen at least the highlights they're watching this. Okay, so two things, okay? So the first one is, so the sub from Bilic, Gosling was brought off um, for Syriata. He was moved to, uh, Cabaselli was then moved to right back and Syriata played in the centre of that position. Now, I think we can objectively say, based on how the game went, unless Dan Gosling was seriously injured, that was a bad sub, I think. Uh, I think Gosling was the best of the back four. Would you agree with that, Matt? Gosling probably had the best game of the back four and that was... Yeah, yeah it's hard to, uh, to, <laughs> to say that the, the the central midfielder had the best defensive game, but uh, he, he did, didn't he? Did he did the least wrong, right? He did. I think he probably did the least I was, wrong. I, was, I, I, you know, I would have him there again, um, particularly in the way in the way that um, Bilic uses his, his uh, fullbacks. They don't need to be... You know the, the the kind of positions that we were crying out for earlier in the season were under under Rob's um, formation. I mean, you, you could you could quite easily have somebody like um, well like Gosling there, and and they would be able to do a job. I, I was he surprised kept him quite conservative, he, didn't he? Yeah, he, he, I I mean I'm not too familiar with his history, but has he played in defence previously? Yeah, I think he used to play right back when he was younger, didn't he, Dan Gosling? Did he? Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, when he was at Plymouth, he used to sort of split his time between there and central midfield. I must admit, when I saw the teams come out, and I was just sort of looking at it, trying to think, what the hell? I thought Chowdhury was the most likely. I went on Live Score, who have Opta data pulling in. Opta, you're like this, had Edo Kayembe at right back. The most, thought, right, <laughs> most left-footed player yeah. that's ever existed <laughs> at right back. Not a chance. More likely Dan Backman's at right back and they've stuck Kayembe <laughs> in goal. Um but I, I never considered Gosling, but it actually kind of made sense. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it at all. So bringing him off and shifting Cabaselli to to right back, I think that was a. You could feel the collective sigh of Watford fans as as that move happened, um, and and quite quickly. I mean, almost instantly, uh, Cabaselli had a big part in in the second goal. And I know Cabaselli gets a lot of stick, and I'm not one for like atting the guy. I've seen a lot of people kind of actually tagging him on Twitter and that, and I think it's a bit bit far for me but um the effort displayed to stop the ball coming into the box uh an opportunity for him to to close the ball even if you can't stop the cross he was actually pretty close and there was zero attempt to sprint or even even somewhere between a jog and a sprint there was just no effort applied uh a ball into the box and obviously leads to a goal but i can't do it justice by describing it so just Please just go back, even as you're listening, just go back and watch the third goal or second goal. I just don't understand it. I, it's, it, I can. It's inexcusable, it is. isn't it? It's hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And he's not a talented, particularly talented player. He's obviously more talented than any of us. But you just think the bare minimum, when you're struggling, you just work harder. You go, all right, I can't compete on a technical level at the moment or whatever it is. Confidence is shot, but I'm at least going to put everything in. But he just gave up, and it was it was there was feeble. no attempt. Um, there's there's no defence. Even the most rudimentary analysis on match a day, you see it all the time, don't you? you? Go, got to get out and stop the cross. They say that softly. Got to get out and stop the cross. And he just gave up. He just get, that's the only word for it. Is he get the only? Phrase I know. For I know. It, it's, I know. It's one thing. I know. Like you're playing. You're playing. A, you know. You're playing in a hectic game. A lot of running. You could be tired. You could be fatigued. I understand. I. I get, I get physical fatigue, I do. But I'm watching Cabaselli, I'm watching his body language. He's not blowing at this point. 
He's not been sprinting up and down the pitch and he's kind of hands on knees like a few seconds before. He's tracking the player. Like, please, please just do me a favor as we're watching this. Go to it right now, even you do as well. I want you to, I want you to be watching this as we're talking about it. Can you do that for me? Yeah, yeah, let's watch it. He's with him the whole way to begin with, isn't he? It's CJ Hamilton, isn't it? He sort of he follows him on the touchline, comes back yeah. round in a loop. It's, it's, and then he just it's the egregious he part just... is he's tracking him. He's with him. He's jogging. He's with him. He's jogging, jogging, jogging. Yeah. And Harrison's jogging. That's okay. Like both, yeah. like if you get to second goal, he's hardly going at start at one thirty nine. He's peeling around. He's he takes a step off, which is an odd move to give him the space, which he gives him. You see, he drops off and kind of drops into space at one forty. He's tracking him. Harrison takes a touch out of his. Feet. Is is it Harrison, Tom? Do you say? Hamilton, Hamilton, CJ Hamilton. Um, he takes a touch out of his feet, <laughs> goes for. But he takes a touch which you'd expect the winger to bomb on and close that gap between him and the ball to get across him. He's being tracked so slowly. He doesn't even have to. He jogs. He jogs out of his touch, out of his feet. He jogs to get to the ball. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's genuinely what you'd see in a training, like a kick around, five a side kick around the end of the night when everyone's shattered. But. There's just no attempt to track it. Look how many steps are taken. It's it's insane. I can't believe this level mm-hmm. of defending. I know we just I know I said you shouldn't just point out one person, just kind of harp on, but it's really poor. It's really poor. Should should Kamara be closer to Yates? Kamara's got to do more yeah, for Yates, for sure. He? But it it, that, it shouldn't even reach that point, should it? He Cabaselli should cut that cross out easily. There's two, yeah. Oh. There's 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 other elements we can talk about. Back post, sure. Kamara could be a bit closer, but in Kamara's defence, he's not in a good position. He should be a bit deeper, but you would also expect a winger to be there helping you, perhaps at this stage, or at least there's no left winger in in on, in the frame there at all, is there? There's no one else around that box. Um, no. And he's also held a good position. Yates has held a good position at that post to kind of gamble on the ball coming in. So fine. You could also argue, could Imran Loser be a little bit closer to Cabaselli in that situation? I'm wondering if that's why Cabaselli slowed up. Maybe he's seen in his peripheral that Loser's coming to close down. And- he's the right back though, Matt. His job, his job is his job is he's got to protect that line. If Loser can come back in to help, but I mean, look at Loser's reaction. Yeah, look around, at Loser's reaction after the goal. Goal and loser's reaction. Looking at Cabaselli straight away. So Cabaselli isn't Cabaselli isn't you know that familiar with this position, is he? I'm trying to I'm trying I'm trying to find ways to defend him just because uh, there's no way to defend. It, I feel like he used to play right back earlier in his there's career. No, it doesn't anyway, matter. It doesn't matter where you've played. If you've watched, he's a professional football. I mean, we know we're talking about it right now. Oh, that's it. This it's is, basics. It, what well, I can't get like, the egregious like how egregious it is to watch the jog from both players. I can't. I, it's it's just insane to me how that's a ball that's gone to the box. One moment in the game, I'm nitpicking. I'm sorry, but I don't understand it. It's I've never seen anything like it from from a defending standpoint at this sort of game, top level. And do you know what the thing is? He's he's a senior player at this club. Uh, he's a senior player. Period. He's you know he's played for Belgium. He's played in the Premier League. He's been here for a long time. He is the experienced... He's the local man. Yeah, exactly. He is the experienced senior head in that back four. He's captain on the day. What sort of example is that? What just sort watch of... the body language. Please, just watch the... Bo- when the cross goes in, just watch Cabaselli as the cross goes in. 140, just watch the body language of him. Just don't take your eyes off Cabaselli. It's just... Yeah. It's just pathetic. 
He's not even. He's like gives up. It gives up halfway through he the knows, stride. I think he knows he's made an error. He's sort of like yeah. a little little kick of the foot as the ball comes in. Like, oh yeah, that's coming. Bang! Just shocking. Anyway, and do you know what the thing is? We I've been guilty of this as well. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not blaming anyone in particular or calling anyone out here. I've been guilty of this of saying he's a good type, but that's not good type behavior in term into you've got to be able to do the basics on the football field you know if if if, if i'm clinging on to players like him being a good type and a good bloke and and so on and so forth it doesn't matter if you're not going to try hard and do the absolute basics because if, yeah if that's my teammate that whole sequence is pitiful that's it you'd be fuming yeah if that's my teammate and you're, you're watching this game back you're watching this game back today or tomorrow and you're sat there in the you're sat at the training ground watching this game back Everyone's side-eyeing Cabaselli right now saying, <laughs> you know, like, why are we sat here getting, you know, Bilic up our ass for this stuff? It's 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 poor, you know, and the, I know, what, I know, gone. I was going to say, sorry, what happens, so Saturday now, Norwich, say Cathcart, House, Sierra are all unavailable still. Um, do, you, do you drop him? And you've got... <laughs> that's it, you've got Cabaselli and Truce. Do you, do you at this stage drop him and go, do you know what, we're better with you know, Chowdhury in there has played centre half for Leicester a little bit, Pollock? hasn't he? I'd put example. Pollock in there. I'd, I'd, oh yeah, Pollock, of course. Pollock you'd, you'd go Pollock, would you? I, I don't. I it, when the, when you're in the situation we're in, you know, you, you talk mm. about um, you talk about when Billich says about kind of not having the, the kind of winning mentality or having the kind of frailty in the team. I can't remember his exact words. I'm obviously kind of butchering his quote, but you know, he references that as a weakness. It's not like Cabasley brings a ton of technical ability ahead of everyone else. I'd 100% bring in the less experienced player who wants to come in to fight for his position. It's it, it. I think where we are right now is could could Pollock make a mistake? Yeah, of course he could. Could it cost us a goal for sure? But I'd much rather see that uh, than than what Cavaselli just did. And I I don't think the drop off between the two players is significant enough to be overly concerned. I'd bring in the young hungry player and say, look, this is what happens when you play badly. There are consequences to poor decisions, poor execution. Technical ability, you know, I can I can forgive someone not having the technical ability and they're out there playing, they've been picked and they're trying to make a mistake, that's fine. Um, but that sort of thing, it's not forgivable, especially when you know the situation we're in. So I, I think you go, I think I'd go with Pollock, yeah. I wouldn't have any any problems doing so. And I, I think I've seen enough Pollock to say that I would expect more of, of him in that situation. Do you think Matty Pollock in that situation is not going to go for that ball. It's not going to try and stop that cross. You know, maybe he makes a mistake elsewhere that Cabasley wouldn't, maybe. But I'm I'm more open to seeing that at this point because we've seen time and time again, too many times we've seen issues. I mean, I don't think this is, I don't think it was anywhere near as egregious. But his defending against Swansea for Swansea's first goal as well. That was, was awful, he, wasn't he's it? He's backing off, backing yeah. off, backing off. And then Give kind him. of, Side like he, he he goes to the thing about that one. Sorry, I know we're going all over the place right here. Um, but Mario Gaspar was in a situation where he's covering, he's covering the outside shot, he's covering the touch out of the side, and for some reason Cabasili goes and closes the gap between him and Gaspar and takes kind of Gaspar's room to to get a foot of you know potential block in the shot and opens up the space inside. It's just it's just odd. He he's not he's not in like the frame of mind he's in right now. We've we've seen Christian Cavaselli play well, and he is he is far from that player at the moment. And I, I, he's maybe he's overthinking, um, maybe he's panicking, maybe he's just not feeling it. I don't know, but the the end result is still exactly the same, and it's it's, it's a player that's struggling and costing us goals over and over again. It's not just him, but when you have one component, which is quite regularly the catalyst to conceding, even if it's not directly his fault, but he his, his actions within a phase of play 
are leading to these situations arising consistently. I, I don't know how long you can roll with that. Even if you have injuries, I, I just don't see it. And I don't know. I mean, look, him and him, he's played the most games of any player. Him, Kembe, and Backman, they've all played every game, right? So I'm hoping it changes with him, but I, I don't. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. No. Jordan, you've, um, you've had a chance now to see a few games under Billich, uh, and you did a very good piece on youtube if you haven't seen it go and uh, watch it now Watford analytics uh, on youtube and you did a whole piece about how you expected village to uh, to play uh has what he's done matched up with your expectations what are the differences and uh you know do you think he's give he's being given the best opportunity to to deliver the kind of uh village ball if you want to to call it that or, or, or is he being seriously hampered here by the availability to him Injuries are crippling, and in some uh, crippling is maybe a bit harsh. Injuries are definitely not helping for sure. Um, you know, he the, 
The difference between him and Edwards is he came in when the window was closed, so he knew what he was inheriting squad-wise. There were going to be some differences. I tried to discuss in the video where those differences lie. Um, I think he'd like to have a bit more ability on the ball at centre-back. I think he'd like to have... I think he'd like to have... I think it wouldn't surprise me if he saw Shadri and Tondi Bashiru uh, at some point. So I think he wants to have a little bit more turn and play in midfield, kind of in the double pivot, have one that's able to kind For of those turn that and haven't carry seen your video a little yet, bit more um, like we saw. Perhaps a, a very brief uh, introduction to how he wants to play and then what we've seen, maybe. Yeah, brief brief of what I expect. You know, 4-2-3-1. Wingers get quite narrow. Fullbacks... You know, it might be one one kind of more aggressive one stays put a little bit more. Um, but it just really depends on the side. I think with Ismail Asara, it's likely that side right back might be a little bit more kind of disciplined. Um, two kind of deeper line midfielders, like a, a double pivot that will get on the ball, kind of create that box between the, the, the centre-backs and, and the two midfielders, just try and turn, beat the press. They drop quite deep. Um, number 10, which has got a lot of freedom, gets forward, helps support the striker. As I said, the wingers get quite narrow, so you kind of create a, a real kind of fluid interchanging front four. Um, but we've not really seen that yet fully. Uh, we saw more of it at Stoke, obviously. A little bit easy for us to kind of express ourselves in those areas when we, they were playing that back three and they were quite weak on the outsides. Um, but I, I think we're still struggling a little bit in midfield. Obviously, we haven't had the number 10 in there. Uh, Jao Pedro with injury. Aspria kind of did play as well, but he obviously came on today. I think Loser coming in there, whilst he played that number 10 or kind of that third midfield, more of a 4-3-3, I would like to see him occupying one of the deep positions alongside the defensive midfielder and then the attacking midfielder in front because as we saw against Blackpool, he did drop deeper um, to kind of get on possession and actually help us kind of get forward. And I think we need to see that more. Um, so he has been somewhat hampered by the injuries. I think the centre-back injury is obviously an issue, not just defensively, but in possession too. Uh, you'd want Courtney House in there just to have that left foot again. Um, obviously, fullbacks have been a problem, and it's been disruptive. So we've not seen we've not seen much from him that we perhaps could see. Obviously, Stoke is the most promising performance, but there's so many factors at play there, which makes it kind of it, it feels like it maybe wasn't as impressive a win as we first thought. Kind of seeing the, the two results that followed, uh, but the last two games, uh, the disappointing thing for me was the Swansea one. We didn't really react. We struggled to um, see much of a change and. Um, yeah, I think he's finding it quite difficult in some ways, but it doesn't help when you don't have players that you don't feel like you have players that are willing to to kind of battle to get to get that stuff done early and kind of get those points across and, and have that understanding kind of taken into action quite quickly. Um, so yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult for him. But what I will say is, with three games in, he's lost as many games as Rob Edwards That's has already. That's very interesting, so, isn't it? You know, yeah. I mean, is is it, should he always should he already be considered in danger? I mean, just given what we know about... I just don't. I just don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's... It's insane to be talking about, but, you know, this is the thing. We, I have people say to me on Twitter, you know, this that problems... Can't, I think the problems after Stoke game effectively saying to me, I think the problem's solved. Rob Edwards was shit. You know, we've got a manager that actually knows what he's doing. And, you know, look, it's not as simple as that. And it's way more complicated. I'm not saying Rob's the answer to everything, but are we better off now? You know, maybe we will be come the end of the season. I don't know. But clearly, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, and I think if we're going to base, if we're going to say that kind of two two losses is the benchmark uh, for kind of being in that danger zone, then 
you know, I, I don't know how we progress at all. Even even talking about this, this one season, let alone as a club. I think the issue is, you know, we talk about injuries and what he has available to him. It's difficult for Rob, difficult for for Slavin. But I think from a from a kind of broader picture, looking kind of from a, a higher viewpoint, um, if you set the standard of your manager to be achieving, you know, winning and two games is an issue, you know, drawing too many games. If that's the highest standards you set as, a, as an owner, you've at least got to meet those standards with the things that you can control yourself to. And I think we find ourselves in a situation where the ownership is is holding our, our coaching staff to a standard which we're, they're not meeting themselves. And I think that's that's the concern for me. I'm not sure if that really answers the question about Slavin Beach's play style, but this is where we are. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting. So, so more or less, I suppose... Um you were more or less accurate with your prediction of, of how he would how he would come into Watford and, and try to play. Um, yeah. And we've seen the so, positives of how that can work against Stoke. And, and then, you know, I guess, what, what what's the major difference between how he played against Stoke and then what we've seen against Swansea and, and, and Blackpool? Well, I think Stoke let us play for one. Stoke aren't very good and they weren't very good. Um, they let us play and we had space in favourable areas which gave us the time and the confidence to, to to play in those areas, you know, kind of out wide and so on. Um, but look, yeah, we did, we, look, we are playing somewhat to kind of what I expect us to or trying to do those things but what's evident is we're not able to do them fully uh, and it's the same thing for Rob, same thing for, for Slavin. They both have clear ways, clear ways of playing. They both have you know, things they want to do, sorts of players they want, but they're not able to do it because they're not available to them for whatever reason. So we have to try to take that into account when we're judging them as a coach. And I think if we don't do that, we're kind of doing them a disservice, really. Tom, um, it all comes back to the, the man in charge of the, the, the head coaches can only do so much with the uh, the tools that they have, at, you know, in hand. Absolutely right. Um, I think it's probably good in a way that Bilic hasn't immediately come in and changed everything and and kind of been getting you know nine points from nine. We've seen two incredibly disappointing performances and results. I know that sounds stupid, but you know um, if that had been the case, that it would have only kind of vindicated Pozzo in his own mind. Um, perhaps now we will see. Well, who knows what we'll see? It's still. A surprising number of games actually until the World Cup break, which I had not appreciated that we were going to cram so many in between now and November 12th. Um, but perhaps, you know, there will be some appreciation from above, however that actually manifests, manifests itself, I'm not sure, of the the fact that the, these coaches have not been given all the tools to work with. I note that Bilic, even in his evisceration of the players yesterday, said that we have... We have quality. We, I see quality on paper in our squad, but not on the pitch, and certainly not consistency. But as I said earlier, I just don't. I don't. I don't believe that to be true. Obviously, we've suffered a, a freakish number of injuries, particularly in defence, which have highlighted the squad building issues. But you know, nobody would have said, "Yeah, I'm happy with that squad." When the uh, August, the, Jan, the summer transfer window closed, we all could see. We could all see. Um, holes of greater and lesser degrees in that squad uh whether it's in you know pure numbers or areas or the type of players in those positions and it's all coming home to roost i think really isn't it you, you've got to give the coaches the staff the, the the resources to do the job and i don't know the last time that someone was really backed with the resources and while they keep coming out with this rubbish about 
having a good squad on paper and believing in the squad and believing that more can be gotten out of them as you said earlier Matt or Jordan apologies I can't remember which one of you it was you know there's no jeopardy for these players either so actually in a final kind of summary of the situation I think it's the coaches that have to you have to say are the least culpable in all of this you know, it starts from the top as as Rupert likes to say you know it rots a fish rots from the head but the players also should be taking a long, hard look at themselves. And it's all very well. I see William Trustecon was the one wheeled out yesterday by the club to do some post-match media. And he's kind of said strong words were had and so on. It's all very well and good, but they need to actually take professional accountability and responsibility um, to do the basics very well. If they're set up wrongly, if they're outplayed, if things go against them, bad refereeing decisions, whatever it may be, luck, that's fine. But at the very least, you've got to... You've got to give it all as a team and as individuals as a bare minimum because when the going gets tough, tough get going. And at this moment, we these players are just not tough in any sense of the word. Fair words, Tom. Um, I, I listened to a couple of the the Twitter spaces immediately after the game to to get a reflection of from one of the from some of the people who were actually at the game. Uh, one of the things I was interested in in hearing is is whether there was. Um, any dissent from the fans towards uh, the the ownership, um, you know, because you know we, we can see on Twitter that there seems to be a growing number of people who are who are anti the ownership. Um, but uh, from what I, from what I heard, uh, there were a few people who were trying to to sort of get chants started, um, sort of uh, showing their displeasure. But others were were booing those. Chance. So there really is, um, you know, quite a, a big divide between those that are that are for and and, and against. But um, I, I suppose the, the the real question is, um, does it really matter? Is there anything that any fan could do to to you know to change what seems like uh, the immovable object of of of, of, of Mr. Potts's, um decision making uh you know it, it's it's his way or, or the highway and I, I don't know if any protest would really would really change anything from that respect if if indeed the you know the majority of the fan base was in that position i did see i did just i did see that the i did see videos of the the fans after the blackball game were saying like singing to the players the whole kind of you're not fit to wear the shirt stuff and um there seemed to be kind of some not altercation, but truth to con going across and pretty much getting told to fuck off um, by some people. Um, and then also there was fighting between the fans at one point as well, from what I saw. Yeah. yeah so I there's definitely, I mean, what can we do? I think it it's tough because I think as Tom kind of stated earlier, there's still that, a lot of people are still in that in-between feeling. So it's, it's tough to kind of really galvanize a, a fan base as a, as a kind of a unit, as a collective when the the kind of consensus is still split uh but i think if you if you still you know if you feel a certain way about it i think you know be vocal and and make your point known uh i think you know yes yeah, sing songs if you can if that's what you want to do and bring banners and so on i think at this point that's kind of where we are uh until in, in until kind of people are until there's enough on board maybe there are enough on board it's hard to gauge i'm not entirely sure but you know, do the things you can do. Go to go to the game early. Protest. I think I heard someone say on the spaces, which I didn't think was a bad idea actually. If you're going to protest, if you're going to you know go to a game, you want to make a point. Do it obviously without you know 
overly without being overly aggressive and and or vile and violent and so on. But if you go to the entrance where where Gino's going before games, you want to make sure he hears what you're saying. Then you can be there. Nothing stopping you being there and saying what you want to say, um, as long as you're doing it, you know, appropriately. You know, those sorts of things. You have to kind of find ways to to, to get your word across. But fighting amongst your own fans, obviously, not conducive to anything positive. Um, I think shouting at the players, you know, maybe it, I, I don't really know if the I never, I never like to see that really, but um... I do. I I don't. Sometimes I don't care. It just depends. It just depends. The worst thing about all of this has been, and I, I echo everything you've just said there, Jordan. Absolutely spot on as usual, mate. Um, the worst thing about all of this has been the kind of the policing of fans among fans, and I'm sure I've been guilty of it at some points. So I've certainly been critical of certain fans, and that's not particularly fair either. Everyone's got a a right to express their opinion the way they that they feel is best that they want to, whatever that opinion is, you know. Um, but the policing of kind of fans and calling out of other fans and so on and so forth hasn't been nice. If nothing else, we should be united in our support of the team, even if we don't think the club, the manager, players are doing their best or making the right decisions. We should be, you know, we will be here long after any of these people bloody hope so anyway so you know we should be uh united at the very least and i just think you know it's, it's a social media thing as much as anything but yeah having heard that there were fans fighting among themselves yesterday i just i think we need to just take stock of that and and um put on a united front tom you uh were listening to the the post uh comments from village and uh, you said that you uh you, you felt there were some similarities to uh, to something that Slavisa Ukanovic said um, back in back in 2015. Yeah, oh, don't, don't don't cross these over again. This is it's it's hard enough as it is. If we start bringing Djokanovic in here with Ivic and Bilic, I'm gonna go on. I was thinking this earlier. A lot of itches. Um, yeah, I, I just I remember the game very clearly because I was working at the Waffle Observer at the time. I actually went. I wasn't. I was covering Barnet, but I was working for the Waffle Observer, and I went to the game. Huddersfield because Barnet weren't playing. We lost in the snow, three one. It was feeble. It was pathetic. Miguel Lyon, bless him, not long off the plane from Mexico, playing in the snow in Yorkshire. Must have been a culture shock, poor guy. Um, and afterwards, Yukanovic was very strong in his post match comments. Said something along the lines of, "My boys think they're stars. They're not stars. We can't just turn up and not try." And it was. A similar sort of message, really, from from Bilic yesterday that there's talent there, but they have to do the, the bare minimums, the non-negotiables that we've talked about in this in this pod. I hope that it has a similar sort of galvanising effect because obviously from there on we improved dramatically, went on a run, thrashed Blackpool, of course, and got promoted. But I don't know if we've got the same level of character, which you know is a point I think that has been made previously about some of the kind of leaders that were in that team and how we lack them in this team. But yeah, I just I just thought there were some uh, there were some definitely some similarities there, and I, I certainly think Bilic is someone who won't kind of dance around the subject and tiptoe around it. He will just say what he thinks, and I hope they back him properly. I I, I know I was a bit dismissive when we podded immediately after his appointment, but if he's the man that they believe in, then actually back him and allow him to affect change. And if that means a, a, another hard reset, then actually let him do it and and see it out because. Otherwise, we, mm. nothing has changed. You say that, Tom, but you have also put a Twitter poll out saying, um, "Is he going to get sacked?" In uh, is, is... <laughs> yeah, just to see what people thought. <laughs> it was flippant as well, but 
I think I think that that World Cup window is a dangerous period, isn't it? We've got Norwich on Saturday, Millwall, Luton, Wigan, Cardiff, Coventry, Reading, and Bristol City before then. So three, four, five, six, seven, another eight games in how many weeks? Uh, between now and November twelfth. Ugh, it is pretty much Saturday, Wednesday, or Saturday, Tuesday. Because there's know, no midweek game this week, is there? No, apart from this week. <laughs> Um, yeah, which is but, weird. Which, yeah. yeah, if you know, if we've not come out of that with some improvement in performances and results, you don't feel good for him, do you? You would, you would, you would be concerned. Although, as this is Pozzo's man, I wonder if he gets a bit of extra time. Nah, I think there's a. There, I know you mean like this is. There's a bit of uh, extra to this one because, yeah, as you said, this is this is Pozzo's guy. Probably we haven't heard anything from Duxbury since Rob left, but you'd imagine there's some unrest. Um a little bit of unrest. I, I want I want to see French come up with an with an interview with, with Duxbury again. I know that he gets to meet and speak with him every now and then. So a new one would be very interesting. because uh, obviously the questions that can be asked there will be quite illuminating. But yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to the next correspondence we get from uh, from the club in regards to any of these questions actually. Do you think that um he will be backed in the transfer market, uh, particularly if these injuries don't seem likely to be. No, we're we're shocking in January. I, I don't see it happening. I mean, what's our history in January? Is this very generally pretty poor? Um, you know, maybe we'll see another bridge player come in, a short term option here or there. Uh, but I don't see us doing any serious business, especially because I, I think the business that we've done this this year seems to be outlined by retaining Pedro and Saar more than anything. So you, you think Pozzo's happy to write off this season then if uh, if it gets... No, I think Pozzo thinks that the team's good enough. Really? I think Pozzo thinks what you know why, what the coach should be getting more out of this team. I think I think Pozzo thought that Edwards should have been getting more out of the team, the players he had. And I, I don't think he's correct. Nope. No. But the team should well, be doing better yeah. than they are. Yeah. But I don't, think they re- I don't think that they meet the expectations very easily that he sets for them you know I don't think that there is I don't think that the team is as has the ability to function as well as he anticipates it doing and I think he just thinks it's a matter of time if you get the right coach in there he can you know make these players play well but I think it's more complicated than that and I think um, I, I don't think that he thinks the team needs that many reinforcements and what do you think Jordan? I think we need I think we need a lot of help in, but I, I think this is a, this is an issue that needs to be a few windows planned. I don't think it's something you can resolve in January, but we definitely need some help. Wherever we can get it, would be good. Um, you know, it depends where we are in that in in the, in the time when kind of January rolls around. But we need reinforcements for sure, and uh, it's not a long term plan. I can't say we need these players in January and it's going to help us for this season and next season and kind of future windows because I would, I would know I would need to know what the actual plan was and, and so on. But um, any help we can get in January is, is needed, especially across that back line. Tom, uh, you, you agree with that one? Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with what Jordan says as well. I don't think we'll do anything in January. I think Pot so firmly believes that this squad is good enough, as I've said on this pod and previous ones. I, I I imagine that most we might get a you know a Dan Gosling Ben Watson type. That's not to kind of besmirch other those guys, but you know someone that's available at a fairly kind of nominal fee will will do a job, but but kind of no more. I still think the squad needs you know at least kind of three or four players. I would have thought in positions that we all know. 
but I, I don't see that happening. And, and obviously, we saw in the week the uh, the story from Kieran Maguire uh, about the, the the loan that's been taken from Macquarie Bank in Australia. Another, I think it was about four and a bit million pounds, which added to other loans, some from Macquarie. Um, and the Kamara money, all of which kind of points to a situation of not rude financial health, let's put it that way. Um, so I can't imagine there's going to be money to throw around unless something happens with Saar or Pedro. Um, Saar not probably likely to leave in January for the kind of money that the club would like to get for him unless he has an incredible World Cup. And Pedro obviously... Similar sort of situation, I imagine. Uh, obviously, and notwithstanding that he won't go to the World Cup unless Brazil call him up. Suddenly, <laughs> I think it might take a little bit of, uh, yeah, of dreaming for that one to happen just yet. But yes. it, I mean, it certainly could be in the future. Yes. Um, okay, then. Uh, next game coming up is Norwich next Saturday. Uh, interesting one, this because it's it's a Saturday fixture, but it's a kickoff at, of seven forty five, which is bizarre awful yeah gross um it is bizarre but big huge game though isn't it so shit, i'm i'm morbidly more morbidly excited for it i guess jordan i mean this is quite nice for you because you get to enjoy a game on a saturday at a, a normal time for a change you know what though i don't i quite like the 10 a.m starts for a game do you um you're done well you're actually done by 12 done by 12 and you've still got the whole day um, I go out in the morning, take a dog for a run. You know, dip, get works everything. better for you than for us. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I like the ten a.m. I think three, three. I enjoyed going to three p.m. games when I was going to games. Obviously, that was nice. Um, but it is definitely a whole day of it. I mean, even home games, I wouldn't get back because I still lived a. Wait, I had a season ticket, but I still lived a, over an hour away. So my ga- their days were quite long. So there's still a novelty to um, having the game done by ten and and so on. So this one, although I do, I actually prefer the 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 midday kickoffs, and I'm watching the game at seven thirty a.m. Then I've really got the full <laughs> day afterwards. That's that's even better. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, it should be interesting. Different time and. Uh, I think for you guys, it's going to be... You, you both going to that one? Yeah, I'll be there. Yep, I am. Yeah, yeah. I guess because it's on TV as well, there might be the opportunity for fans to, to really get their point heard if they want to. Um... Was was there anything being done with the banners? Cause I thought I thought the I saw someone on Twitter the uh, discussing a, a, a banner being in the works from the 1881. Oh, really? Okay. Well, in that case, That's I, 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 haven't, I haven't heard that. What I have heard is that some, quite... some banners were being refused entry. Um, we, we know that was the case at Stoke. Um, mm. but I, you know, I, I don't know if that was the case at Swansea or at Blackpool. But um, but it'd be quite powerful if the, the 1881 did put something out because they obviously have some ties, affiliation, whatever with the club, don't they? You know, maybe not formally, but the the club has obviously given them space together giving them space within the ground for the bunker and stuff like that so it you know to suddenly um call the club out i guess would be would be quite powerful and, and they obviously set the kind of tempo and the the noise levels don't they on a, on a match day um if that if they start chanting and, and and displaying against the Pozzo ownership then you would think that others would follow but i don't think anything kind of gets off the ground without them either 
They could do something creative with that giant Geno pot uh, banner, can't they? They can <laughs> yeah, make a few alterations. Sorry, no, I yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, it'd be interesting to see. This is an opportunity, obviously, late kickoff on Sky. Draw some attention to it. Let it get in the narrative, and uh, maybe that's a way they can they can help kind of incite some change. I don't know. Yeah. Following that, Millwall away, and then Luton at home. I mean, if if Ugh. we end up losing that one, we're losing that one. Y- y- you think so? Yeah, I do. Uh, right now, if... this team loses to that one. Nathan jo- jo- Jones is a coach you don't want to play. Coach is so- he's a coach that kind of looks for weaknesses, and we've got quite a few right now. And you add the other the extra kind of you know intensity that that fixture is going to bring, especially for Luton. They're going to feel that fixture way more than we do. I'm sure. It scares me a lot. I think it will be a tough one. Will it push some people into a different camp if they're already in what one? I think it will be just another. It will be an. It will be another knot on the noose. I don't know. Is that mm. even a saying? Another knot in the noose. Why not? Uh, yeah. Why not? You, you've just made it a saying. Uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be. It's not going to help. That's all I can say. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll um. We'll look forward to those games then, is that if, if that's even the words that we can... So that's a lie. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this podcast has been quite scattered around the place. Like Obviously, we had a lot to say about a lot of different things, but thanks for sticking with us as we tried to kind of keep it somewhat on track, or Matt's tried to keep us somewhat on track. Um, I've tried. Yeah. I might have to do some creative editing here. It's it's tough. There's a lot to say, and it's you know it's 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 it's, a, it's difficult to stay on one line of thinking because there's so many things going on on the pitch, off the pitch, and so on. It just kind of spreads out. But yeah, yeah. Okay then. Um, well, thanks very much for joining uh, Tom, Jordan, and I. Uh, just a few of the of, of the regular things we'll we'll, we'll say. So um, if you want to uh, review us, and we we would love for you to give us a review. Head on to Apple Podcasts, uh, go down to the bottom there, give us a, a rating out of five and, and then tell us what we can do, what you'd like to see going forward in the pod. Um, and also, if you'd like to support us, uh, we have a Patreon. Just find us uh, What For Bus Podcast on Patreon and you can support us uh, via that way. Guys, anything from yourselves? Uh, no, I think, I think I've said pretty much everything I have to say for the, for the moment. What about you, Tom? No, I think thanks as always for sticking sticking with us. I'm sure it's not fun having watched the game and followed up the reaction and listening to us as well necessarily probably doesn't help people's mood. But I would just say be nice to each other because as I mean it earlier, there's been a lot of kind of policing of fans and calling out of other fans this season in particular. And I just think we need to be kind of nice to each other and, and remember that we all want the same thing at the end of the day, which is for Watford to be successful, whatever that definition of success is individual by individual we all share that common goal so let's let's not be dickheads yeah actually what i will say is we'll say a thanks to matt for, for editing these things because i don't envy the task so thanks for doing it every week matt oh cheers mate thank you very much he loves it highlight of his week <laughs> tom what are you thankful for it's actually canadian thanksgiving this weekend so is it really? i guess that's is what it? yeah so that's oh. i guess that's what i'm thankful for is matt's editing Oh, thanks. thanks Jordan. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, I'm you... just thankful for you, your company, you two, oh, being able to what, what are you get this kind of this group therapy that we have each week. What are you thankful for, Matt? I'm thankful for Tom's running order and oh. um, 
Also, his company the other day, it was very nice to... Uh, oh, yeah, to, that was nice, wasn't it? We enjoyed that. And uh, share a Kit Kat and, uh, and, and, <laughs> and basically cry together. We had our own Kit Kats. We had our own Kit Kats. <laughs> you shared a Kit Kat. Well, did you have it was two? like Lady in the Tramp. Did you have two and you shared both of them? <laughs> yes. No, no. no. I don't well, I'm quite jealous. Oh, I'm looking no. forward to. I'm looking forward to getting having to get an extra Kit Kat for the road next time. Not next time. But soon. <laughs> all right, good stuff. Well, um, well, we'll see you all again. Uh, this is going to be a, a, a weekly podcast. I don't know if I, if I mentioned this before, but um, previously um, we were in vain attempting to to get one out after every game but um we had to we had to basically just accept that it's just it's too it's too difficult so one a week is, is what it's going to be going forward a lot easier to manage and also we're going to be trying uh to get them out on the same day as well because it's just easier for you guys to know that it's going to be out um so you'll know that it's either going to be released on the sunday or the monday and that, that's that so that's nice nice knowledge to know yeah all right then. Well, see you next time, guys. And right. uh, as Tom said, don't be dickheads. All right. Bye bye. See you then. See you soon. Have a good one.